Hi there, I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast, where we discuss all of the relevant issues to help you succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. We cover sales and marketing, networking, cat tools, and much, much more. Find out more at anchor.fm slash pros. Hey there, Paul here. Welcome to episode five of the pros.com podcast. I have a fantastic interview coming up for you in just a second with Jeanette Stewart from Translation Commons. So she'll be telling us all about that organization, a little bit about the philosophy behind it. And she'll also be talking about some opportunities, some great opportunities for you to join that organization. So that's coming up in just a second. First of all, let me tell you about some new meetups that we have at pros.com. We're using the Remo platform, which is, it's a really good platform. It really simulates a conference environment. So you have different tables and different floors and you're able to jump around from table to table and you're able to see other people's virtual business cards and they're they're really great events they're really really fun events so if you haven't signed up for one of those then head on over to pros.com slash meetup and I hope to see you there the Remo meetups are for pros.com members only so if you aren't a pros.com member yet then I would suggest that you consider becoming one And don't forget to check out what's going on at training.pros.com as well. We have lots and lots of interactive training courses, lots of programs that are really designed to get you from A to B. I'm a big believer in courses that actually help you to achieve some kind of concrete objective. So you are able to do something at the end of the course that you weren't able to do before you started the course. I think that's uh, that's really important. And, and often those defined outcomes are also related to work output as well. So they're going to actually help you to get more work in certain areas. I'd suggest that if you are just getting started, then you have a look at the Getting Started bundle. It's a bundle because it comes with plus membership. So you get one year's plus membership and you also get the how to get started as a freelance translator course. So that's a, that's a really worth checking out. And also the voiceover course. This has proved to be very, very popular, very interactive. You get to submit your own assignments and, and get those assignments graded. You'll learn how to set up a home studio and also how to find voiceover clients. So if you're interested in adding another string to your bow, then that one might be for you. If you have any questions on any of the courses or anything about what's going on at training, then please reach out to me directly. You can email me at training at pros.com. Right, well, let's get cracking with today's interview. Today, I'm here with Jeanette Stewart. Jeanette is a strategic consultant helping clients achieve global growth, business revitalization and transformation. She founded Translation Commons, an online volunteer-based public charity aiming to offer and share tools and resources and to facilitate community initiatives. She is the former CEO of Communicare, a life science translation company with offices in London, Paris, Athens, Budapest and Los Angeles. 
Jeanette has been involved in high-profile projects such as the Genome Project and prototyping the online unified submission process for the European Medicine Agency. Jeanette has founded, served on the board of directors, moderated and volunteered in various educational and health charities. Jeanette, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Paul. Uh, I'm so happy to be here and chatting with you. Yeah, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to have you on today, Jeanette. I know you have vast amounts of experience in the translation industry, and I'm also looking forward to to finding out a bit more about uh, Translation Commons. So, so yeah, let's start it. Let's start with how you got started. How did you how how did you begin in this wonderful industry? Well, that goes a little bit. Um... Uh, back in the past, uh, my first uh, uh, professional uh, hat was advertising. So I had a business degree and I was in advertising in Greece. And as such, I was working for big clients like Coca-Cola, Unilever and Colgate Palmolive. And uh, a lot of the work that we were doing was based on translating campaigns uh, from the U.S., so that's when I first heard about this industry. Okay. Um, but also I was in, uh, I moved on to a pharmaceutical company and I was their advertising coordinator and I was a buyer of translation. And at that point, I couldn't find medical translators in Greece. Um, so I went to the medical director and I said to him, look, I'm bilingual. My English is perfect, is, is better than my Greek. I think I, I need to translate this uh, you know, m myself, um, because I can't find anybody who can do the medical stuff. Now, I'm not medically trained, but I have you. Will your door be open to me so we can start, uh, uh, you know, communicating about all the things that I need to understand and know how to translate well? So I had uh, a, a private tutor, um, the medical okay. director, <laughs> and it was it was one of the best experiences I had after college. It was a great uh, you know project to work on. I'd learned immunology as if I was a, a medical student. <laughs> wow! Wow! Awesome! Amazing! And, and where did it where did it go from there then? Well, um, I met my husband and I moved to London. And at that point, I wanted to do something different. And I remembered that uh, I couldn't find translators. And I felt that all other pharmaceutical companies would have the same problem. Um, so I thought this was a good niche um, and with an unsatisfied need. And I decided to become an entrepreneur. And yep. I started a company back in London, which was uh, what we call today a language service provider. Wow. Wow. And and do you remember how difficult it was to, to get started? Is that something that you look back on with sort of fond memories of the challenges that you went through? Or, or was it all fairly straightforward to get started with your, your previous background? Well, I do look for, uh, you know, very um, uh, with excellent memories about that time, because when you're so young, and you just embark on, on something, uh, you know, so different from what you have done before, you very seldom think about all the risks and, and you just, you know, dive in, which is what I did. I think I wouldn't do it today that way. But uh, it was an amazing experience because the time was right. And I think in, in when you're starting a company, you need to look at uh, 
uh, the, the market. It was completely unsaturated. Today, when you start a, a translation company or an LSP, the market is so saturated. But back then, it, it was you know qu- quite uh, open, and um, it was very easy. Um, one yeah. thing fell into the lap of the other, and then it continued and it growed. You know, one client brought the next client, and it was a word of mouth. And yeah. the yeah. biggest problem was translators, finding the translators. So I had to build up a whole infrastructure of medical doctors in different countries um, and then get them to, to be the reviewers and to train the translators gradually. And uh, it took a little bit of time, but uh, within two to three years, we had a, a, an amazing network of translators that wanted to be trained by, by medical doctors. And um, uh, it was a very successful uh, enterprise at the time. Yeah, really, really specialized, but obviously, obviously um, very, very successful. One thing that you said in there, Jeanette, in, in terms of the differences between uh, what it was like then and the, and the marketplace now. What, what advice would you have to someone who's perhaps thinking about creating their own LSP? Is it something that shouldn't be done today? Is, it, is the market just too saturated? Or, or what advice would you give? How might someone approach it slightly differently? You know, it, it, it's a completely different answer uh, to different people. So if you're a freelance translator, um, uh, you stand a very good chance of growing your business today. Um, I think that if you uh, band together with a few other translators, you stand a much better chance of uh, getting bigger quicker. Um, I also think uh, specialization is a good thing because uh, you target your efforts. When your efforts are targeted in a specific uh, you know, niche, then you get to know the players there, you get to know uh, the timings, the seasons, the terminology, and the people. Um, As opposed to when you're unfocused and you're trying to get whatever you you can get, um, you know, it's a hit and miss, uh, but you're not building a reputation. Um, For somebody to start a formal business where, you know, they're an LSP provider using freelance translators, again, it's opportunistic. If you have the basic clients in place, um, you know, a few uh, ones that you can depend on, I guess by all means, you know, start it. Uh, But I think today the better chances for the ones that are starting small to start big, you have to have a huge amount of funding, and and that doesn't exist, uh, you know, for a, a straightforward language service provider. That would be probably something if you had a technology, and therefore you could mm-hmm. have funding and backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I thought I I think if you have a a slightly different approach and you include technology then i think there are there are opportunities there i think there's opportunities for everyone but i think i think that that's great advice in terms of that that specialization we hear that time and again if you really focus on your your target market and focus on providing a service to a particular niche of clients then you are likely to be more successful it's sometimes a little bit difficult some people feel that that that's tough when they are starting out and they want to try and um get any work that they can let's let's be honest at the beginning but i think even if you just have that in your mind at the beginning that you are going to niche down at some point i think that can help you to to achieve that 
I agree because when when you're starting off, you're not going to say no to a job that uh, is not within your chosen specialization if it comes your way. So yeah, by all means, take all the jobs, but uh, you know, ha- have some sort of um, um, target marketing target where you present yourself in a specific way, and that always helps. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks for that, Jeanette. Well, let's 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 bring things forward to today now because I'd I'd like to spend some time talking about this uh, this wonderful wonderful organisation that is Translation Commons. So I'd love to hear all about it. Let's let's talk about how it started, what you're trying to achieve, and and really get into some of the details, please. Sure. Um, it was around uh, 2014. And uh, I was going to a lot of conferences at the time, still am, (laughs) although they're virtual now. Um, And we would have a lot of conversations with people about uh, being able to come to these conferences and discuss all sorts of things, but nothing would happen in between the conferences. So some conferences that were, you know, once a year, you know, we would meet the same people a year later and we'll just continue the conversation without anything having happened in between. Um, So immediately we started saying, well, maybe we need to do something, um, you know, a little bit more stable where we can address this issue and continue the conversation. So that's where the collaboration idea started, where we wanted to discuss pain points of our industry and discuss the fragmentation that we have and how different sectors don't speak to each other. I, I do remember many calls back then, engineers saying, yes, but we need the translators to talk to them. And if we can't talk to them, what, what are we building here? And we would get all these uh, different approaches from different people, and there was no unifying uh, element amongst us, um, or even no unifying conference. Uh, each conference would mm-hmm. be uh, you know, serving a specific sector and not all of them. So that's how we started saying, let's get together and let's find a way that we can have clients, engineers, um, translators, freelancers, LSPs, and academics all together, you know, talking uh, to each other. Um, So that was the very, very early days. And we were influenced very much by collaborative commons, the concept of collaborative commons. And of course, Creative Commons uh, had just come out and, uh, you know, the, the, the whole concept of a commons, you know, was very appealing yeah. to us. So I wrote um, an article on uh, LinkedIn uh, and it, it had this huge title, can the, language, uh, can, can, can the Language Industry Embrace Collaborative Commons and Survive? <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, very good. And uh, it, it had a, a good response, uh, obviously had a good readership and, and viewership, but it also had a lot of comments because it hit a nerve somewhere with many, many people. And, and, mm. and, and there was this communication and, and discussion going on uh, through LinkedIn. So I, uh, I, I thought to myself, hold on, this could be potentially a feasibility study. Let me start a LinkedIn group and see how that goes. Um, so I honed in on the Translation Commons as, an, as a name. It was available to, to purchase the domain, which I did. And I created the first LinkedIn group and it was like the beginning of December 
of 2014. And mm-hmm. I remember okay. yep. on the 1st of January, <laughs> we had a thousand members in that group in just 20 wow. days. Wow. And I just, you know, and, and the communication was such and everybody was uh, welcoming everybody else and, and everybody was eager to understand what can we do here and what shall we do? Uh, so based on that, uh, I took the plunge and I created uh, Translation Commons as a formal organization and immediately supply, applied for the nonprofit status that came within a year. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. And I mean, what, what is it that you, that over time, I don't know if this has evolved over time, but can you explain in a little bit more detail so who the organization who the organization is for and what you are trying to achieve and i i do understand the the general philosophy of bringing um bringing different parts of the industry together which which as i'm sure you know doesn't come without its uh, its own own problems not everyone thinks that that's um that's the right way to go because people do have slightly different interests depending on whether one is a, a freelancer or an LSP or or some other part of the, the industry. So that there's things in common, but there are things that are different as well, right? Um, yes, absolutely. And uh, it, it's interesting to see that uh, evolution is very important, and I'll share a couple of things about it. But it's interesting to see that in Translation Commons today, we still have silos. So we've recreated some silos between interpreters, let's say, and translators. Um, That stays, you know, as a silo. We may never manage to break that in our industry, but uh, it's reflected in Translation Commons as well. But thankfully, there are other silos that we have broken down. Um, But you're right to talk about evolution because we started off as just let's get together and talk. Mm -hmm. And of course, once you become an organization and and you have to apply for a nonprofit status, you actually have to have a mission and and you have to have a vision. You have to have, you know, how this is going to work. And while we were trying to do that, we created our first advisory board just to get together some, uh, you know, like-minded people and, you know, just flesh it out. What, what should this be? And initially, the, uh, the mission was to address pain points for our language professionals. So we homed in that this is a, a, an organization for individuals, uh, not necessarily for uh, organizations or companies or institutions. So we weren't an association of, of any description Um, But individuals could come in to be part of a community. So we wanted to stress the community element. But as we progressed, we realized that looking inwards is one thing, but it is what we do as a community towards the world that is going to be of impact to the world. And, And of course, we knew from early days in this industry that there's a lack of visibility you know, the translators are the unseen, uh, you know, link in the chain of the supply chain of um, many, many products. Um, So we wanted to start uh, projecting what we do to the world. And as a community, we were able to do that. And we started having uh, various programs. So from the beginning, we knew of the inequality of languages, whether that was digital or in any form. And we immediately homed in on the fact that we wanted to work towards an equal 
equal uh, representation of all languages, not just online, but in everything in life. And, you know, one of our first slogans was um, um, no language and no linguists left behind. Of course, our very first slogan to go back a little bit more was powered by translators. And that created the silo with interpreters. Why is it powered, uh, powered by <laughs> translators and not interpreters? Yep. <laughs> so we have abandoned that because we have a very large uh, uh, volunteer base of interpreters. Um, and we couldn't have two slogans, one powered by translators and one interpreters. Um, but uh, we have evolved considerably. And right now we have a lot of programs that are addressing, uh, you know, indigenous communities, uh, their digitization, uh, you know, needs uh, and representation. We have programs dealing with COVID-19. We have partnerships with organizations that we are doing their both translation and interpretation for COVID-19 related, uh, um, you know, meetings and everything. But uh, we also uh, address all sorts of issues that will come our way. Uh, so, for example, one of the new ones that uh, we're dealing with is to address child safety online. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's something that um, is done by many organizations, but not, not all of them look at it in a multilingual way or in a global way and how to adapt it for, for different messages, different communities and countries. So th there are many programs that uh, are evolving as we speak in Translation Commons where we as a community are united and we're doing something to help the world with language. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, you've got you've got so many things going on, Jeanette. Perhaps we could just focus on a couple of a couple of uh, concrete examples. So, so how how would a translator fit in to your organisation, and what kind of um, what kind of project could they work on, and and how long would it would it take them? And let's say someone wanted to be involved in a uh, a project related to a language of lesser diffusion or or indigenous language or something like that then how would how would how would they fit into your organization and and how would that work and what might be the end goal that's a great question and it gives me the opportunity to say that there are three different ways that somebody can in, get involved in translation commons so the first way is uh, through our programs and the global impact. So for those people who uh, want to come in as a language professional, unite with us, and then take on one of the causes of our programs, that is a fantastic way. So that's how we as a community are helping the world. And our programs are all listed on the website, but there's many more that uh, we'll be adding soon. The second concrete way is uh, um, the actual community of translation commons working for translation commons. And this is uh, very interesting for many, many young graduate uh, and young translators, because what we have done is we replicated uh, translation commons being like a startup. And the volunteers can come into this community of operations of translation commons and get appointed a specific role and train, get trained on this role. 
and follow a career path. So we have um, uh, created uh, these operational groups to fit within different career paths. So a translator would go to become, you know, to, to do translations, an interpreter to do interpreter interpretation. But we have different levels. So, so the younger, more experienced people will do some practice and training. Uh, then more experienced people will work with some easier documents and so on and so forth until we reach the point of the mentors where we would have the very experienced people come in and mentor others. Uh, on the same side, we have the marketing team that would be wanting to follow a, a marketing localization or um, any kind of creative copywriting um, you know, career path. And they would come in and do the marketing for Translation Commons and translate or transcreate um, you know, the various posts. Um, same way as the e-learning. Um, another, they would then create, you know, the courses or help other experts within our group create courses. And, you know, another one is the globalization, where we're creating a network of geomanagers, where each geomanager would be responsible to um, represent that um, region and the, give us information about the universities, the associations, what are the issues for that particular re region that we don't know about, um, and so on and so forth. So if you think about it as a startup, uh, there is something for everybody to do, and that follows a career path. Um, and that has been very, very useful to a lot of our volunteers. And the third one is our academy. So in the academy, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create courses, tutorials, videos, articles, things that are of interest to our industry, and we can share this expertise. So in this um, third way of um, you know, being involved, somebody can come in to be part of creating them, or somebody may just say, okay, I just want to learn something. I'm just going to come to the platform, do this course, and, you know, and then do a second course, and that's it. So there's different, these are the three different ways that somebody can get involved. And we hope that it caters for the needs and uh, wishes and desires of our industry professionals. Wow. Yeah. Once again, you have, you have so many things going on. It's, it's really quite incredible. So for someone who's interested in, in a volunteer position, obviously um, people, people have a limited, limited number of hours in a, in a week. Uh, as I understand it, this is, um, this is going to give someone the opportunity to have a part-time position that is going to help them get experience perhaps much, much more quickly than they might otherwise be able to. Is that, is that fair? Yes, it is. But also what we do is we break down the tasks. Um, so we understand that. And we understand that uh, even somebody, a volunteer that comes today, and we had a lot of volunteers during COVID-19 that had a lot more time than they do now, you know, six, uh, eight months later. Um, but what we say to them is, we're going to break the chunk down to a minimum of, you know, five to 10 hours. Um, and, and within these five hours, if you are able to uh, sustain that over a few weeks, you will have accomplished quite a lot. Um, of course, you know, it's very difficult with a free freelancer 
who has a lot of work one week and not so much the next week to sustain that five hours a week. So, so you know, we, we cater for all circumstances. Um, but uh, I think that we broke it down in such a way that those five hours are enough for people to get the experience. And um, it, it, it is doable, you know, in the evenings and over the weekend. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. And And how would someone find out more I, I i presume you have a, a lot more information on on your website um but but if if someone has a look at the website and then wants to take that a step further what's what's the what's the process Jeanette? so the, the the website has a lot of information and we are in the process of changing to reflect the career paths uh, we haven't actually posted that yet um, we'll be making quite a few changes to the website over the next couple of months. We started a couple of months ago, so it's an ongoing process for a full update uh, where they will have a lot more information. The best uh, thing is to go to the community pages, go to the volunteer page, and um, uh, fill in the register and fill in the volunteer form. Uh, the volunteer form has got um, a specific roles and, and job descriptions that they can apply for. Uh, to be honest, people should know that even if they apply for one, they can always change from within. And uh, once you're inside the core volunteer group of, you know, the couple of hundred people that work on a daily basis, um, then you get to know a little bit more uh, of the other opportunities that are available. Uh, you get on the newsletter, you, you hear about the new projects, um, you get to meet some other people and see what they're working on. So I think it's the best uh, solution is to just get in the system and, and then the right uh, project will come for you. Yeah, great opportunity for people to grow their networks as well. Definitely. And, mm. and the culture of TC and the volunteers within TC is something that we have uh, been very, very careful from the beginning. And uh, we have an amazing group of people that uh, work together and like each other and become friends. Um, so we started also doing a few little events. For example, we, de we did a Hawaiian uh, virtual uh, happy hour over the summer. And now for Halloween, we're doing for the volunteers, you know, we're doing the uh, a Halloween virtual uh, party and and we'll continue doing these as as we go along because um, we do have a lot of meetings and not so much time to just chat and be friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I think that's I think it's a great idea that you've included those kind of um, those kind of events because it they do bring people they do bring people together. It's something a little bit different. It's a space to to sort of enjoy each other's company a little bit more. And I th yeah, I think that's great. I think that's really really good. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, Jeanette, I think you've given us a lot of information in a very short space of time. So thank you for thank you for coming on the show today. I think I'm just going to wrap it up now. But if you do have any any sort of final comments uh, that you'd like to uh, share, then please go ahead and do so. And also, please make sure to share that uh, that website URL so that anyone can get in touch and find out more. Thank you so much, uh, Paul. It's been a great opportunity to uh, showcase what Translation Common is, what we do, and our volunteers. And I do hope that uh, there'll be many more pros, uh, people that will come along and find value because uh, they find great value in pros. 
And I hope that they can find a completely different value in translation commons. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks so much, Jeanette. It's always fantastic talking to you and uh, wish you all the very best with uh, translation commons. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Really good interview with Jeanette. I, I always uh, enjoy talking to her. She's got so much experience in the industry and, and she's so willing to share that knowledge and experience. So fantastic stuff. If you'd like to find out more, then head on over to www.translationcommons.com. You'll find all of the information there. If you'd like to find out more about our training courses at pros.com, then visit training.pros.com. Dot com. And finally, if you'd like to continue the discussion in any way, then uh, head on over to the pros.com Facebook group hosted by Andrew Morris. Of course, there are many, many things going on in that Facebook group and you have the opportunity to ask any questions and to interact with like-minded professionals. So if you have any questions, then head on over there. Thank you so much for tuning in. All the very best. And until next time. Bye-bye.